Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove. I'm joined by Chief Sports Writer Lee Ryder to talk through the big discussion points of Newcastle United. Of course, on the back of that 1-1 draw at Liverpool, they have Arsenal coming to St. James Park on Sunday and there's plenty to be discussed. Lee, we'll start with a question which I've seen a few people asking and it's about the return of fans to St. James's Park, which we hope happens sooner rather than later, of course, when it is all safe to do so. But Newcastle have something to deal with, and it is that issue of 10,000 free season tickets that they gave away before the pandemic struck. Now, of course, that hasn't been at the forefront of the issues because people have had bigger things to deal with. But when things start getting back to normal, it is something they're going to have to address, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's whether the whether the sort of pandemic has you know almost whetted people's appetite to get back to football um and supporters you know may may really want to get back into it obviously the pandemic's been going on a year now there's there's youngsters they're getting older they'll be wanting to to get up to the ground they may be saying to the parents they want to, to get up there so you know everything changes there's always a different cycle on things um, but ultimately, it's about the product on the pitch. And Newcastle this season have been fortunate in some games that there wasn't a crowd in because I think they would have would have been booed off. But by the same token, in equal measure, I think they would have been applauded off in some games. Um, and there's been a different reaction to to certain matches because there's been no crowd in. Uh, the West Ham game is the ultimate example. Uh, obviously, they had a great first off, went 2-0 up, got pegged back at 2-2, but won the game very late on. Now, if there was a crowd in for that, everyone would have been going absolutely crazy. People would have been filing into town, going to the pubs and all that sort of thing. But instead, because people were like stuck in their homes and on Twitter scrolling away, then they found the negative in it rather than the positive because you can't replace that buzz of a last minute or late winner. I mean, the scenes at Anfield at the weekend were, I was fortunate to be there and believe me, the emotions were there for all to see, even in the press box, because we don't get any in the Liverpool normally, um, apart from a, you know, a defeat and to, to score so late in the game after having that one disallowed. Yeah. The emotions, you know, do get the better of you sometimes. And uh, for me, you know, that was good because it just reminded me what what football was about. And it's about fan feeling. It's about, you know, getting excited and celebrating. Believe me, if that had happened with a crowd in at Anfield, then uh, I, th- I, th- I don't think they would have left the ground for about an hour and a half after the game. You know what I mean? It, it was it was unique that, it, you know, it happened that way. So, you know, it, it's not all negative about Newcastle United. We have got a decent set of players. When you look around the team, people like Almiron, Sir Maximan, Callum Wilson, they're all decent players and there's something there to build a team around. So, you know, I, I think that's what, you know, Kevin Keegan said about not giving up on the team and just getting behind the players. And that's that's ultimately what it's about. It's not, it shouldn't be about politics and, you know, the, the toxic place which Twitter has, you know, turned into and... You know, people scrolling, looking for negativity. It's, you know, it's a, it's an awful place on there. And, you know, you can't let your head 
you know, get stuck in stuck into it for too long because you can't take it seriously, unfortunately. And the real world is out there and Newcastle United will eventually play in front of a crowd again. And I think the majority of people that go will enjoy the experience. Mm. Um, we've got a question here from Robin Woods and he asks, the Liverpool game, Lee, did we really play that well? There were loads of errors at the back that should have been punished. We could have easily lost 4-1. I'm not, I don't agree with him, um, you know, wholly on that point. And someone actually else in the comments has said, well, yeah, but we could have won 4-1 and that's the beauty of football. So what do you say there to Robin? I guess, Lee, it's about, you know, regardless of how many chances Liverpool had, it's about still being in the game, which Newcastle were, still having that spirit to to get that goal and, you know, just having that desire to to push forward and, and, and give everything to try and get at least a point. Yeah, I think for me, it wasn't a, a classic performance by any stretch of the imagination because had Liverpool had the shooting boots on, then yeah, it would have been it would have been over long before it was. But and there were a few errors at the back, but there were also a lot of good defensive bits of defensive work. Um even, you know, the marking of, of Salah, I mean he got a great goal early on, but after that. He couldn't follow the defence. It made life difficult for him. You know, Debravka had a great game. But it's staying in games and at places like Anfield, that's what you've got to do to stay in the game. And thankfully they did it. But the big the big positive was the team spirit that after having that one choked off, they could have easily <clears throat> they could have easily lost the heads, but they readjusted and got on with the game. And found found an equaliser that did count. It was it was just great stuff um, from a football supporting point of view. So they deserved a point. I don't think anyone could could deny them that. I, I think it would have been too much to ask for a win at Anfield, um, given how many chances Liverpool had. But it's a good point, and it's got to be backed up now against Arsenal. One hundred percent. And what did you make of the the scenes on the touchline as well? I think we briefly covered it in the. The, the, the immediate post-match podcast on uh, on on Sunday was it or Saturday? Um, Saturday. So, what did you make of it in a bit more detail? Of you know when the goal went in, the all rushed over to Steve Bruce. Bit of a hug. It was it was nice to see. I think many people think. Yeah, and you've got to give you've got to give everybody the credit when they get a good result. When they go four games unbeaten, you've got to give them the credit, surely. Um, if they get the criticism when they get beat, you have to give a bit of credit when, when they get a positive result. I know people don't, people won't agree with me. I don't really care. Um, the the rea- the reality is, is that you have to be fair in football, and you ha- have to look beyond whether you like somebody or not. And a lot of people just don't like Steve Bruce. So that's, you know, I'm I'm pretty neutral on it all. Um, you know it's. He's certainly not my favourite manager. We've had people like, you know, Kevin Keegan and Bobby Robson in charge, but when he took the job, he knew he had a tough tough task on his hands and it's proved to be all that and more. And the fact that, you know, on 36 points of five games to go, says they're up against it to get more points than last season. So it's one of them where credit words due when they get a good result and, you know, you've got every right as a supporter to, to criticise when they get beat, but the one thing you've got to do is just look after your, your own your own mentality. 
when they win, enjoy watching your team win and you know, don't look for the negatives, enjoy the positives of it. That that's always been my view on it, you know. Whether it's a scrappy late one nil win or you, you win five nil, enjoy enjoy seeing your team win because with Newcastle, certainly in the last you know ten years, it's been they've lost more than they've won. So let's hope uh, we can have a relatively enjoyable end to the season. Fingers crossed. Um, lots to talk about Jacob Murphy. I think you were the one that revealed actually his contract has another year to run. There was lots of talk it would end this summer. Uh, I mean, is that how do you rate his chances of getting a new contract? Do you think it's pretty much inevitable if they all come to an agreement on the wage and the, the length, etc.? Well, the, the saying that talks have started, but I think the talks have always been going on in the background, so I don't know. Don't know where that story come from, but yeah, he has got another year left. It's not unusual for someone to be in talks with the board to about a contract with a year ago. There's a couple of others that that need sorting, but for me, I said it ages ago. He deserves a he deserves a contract, especially with the way the window's going to be in the summer. So let's hope he he gets that one signed and it's done. Get back to Lee in just a moment, but just a quick request to please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. It means the episodes get further afield, which is really good, and we can only continue to do this through your support. So if you get a moment, please do remember to subscribe. It's totally free. All it means is every time we upload an episode to our channel, you'll get a notification to say that it's ready for you to listen to, and you can download it, stream it, whatever and hopefully enjoy it and you have the chance to leave a review please do so that also means quite a lot to us and once again it just means we can get those episodes to more people now back to Lee Ryder Joe Willick Steve Bruce has made it clear you would like to keep Joe Willick at, at Newcastle is there any hint from from Steve Bruce or from people you've maybe spoken to whether it, if you know, the Arsenal let him go. Steve Bruce would take it on loan, take him on back on loan. Would like it to be a permanent deal. Twenty million pounds has been talked about, um, or is it a case they'll just take it anyway and they'll just want Joe Willock back, regardless of whether it's on loan or or a permanent deal? I, I just think it's one where um, season-long loan deal again next season seems like the most obvious, obvious choice, but realistically. Are Newcastle going to splash out 20 million for a player in the next window when we've already been told there's no money to spend? I think they will look for the loan deal first and foremost. But for Joe Willick, it's a great chance. Would you rather be, you know, playing every game in four at Arsenal or playing every week at Newcastle? And if it's every week at Newcastle, um, I'm sure he'll take it. If that comes off, and a lot of fans wanted to, uh, Steve Bruce is clearly keen. What does that mean for the likes of Matty Longstaff? Now, we know Long, Sean Longstaff is in the team and he's performing quite well. He's getting back to that level we know he can be at. But what does that mean for the likes of Matty Longstaff, who was promised to route to first-team football and he, he's not been given it? The likes of, you know, even Elliot Anderson, who, you know, is on, on the verges of breaking into that first team and really does need to start playing first-team football at a high level to, to develop. Yeah, it's strange what's happened to Matty Longstaff, especially given that he signed a contract, believing he would be getting game time. Unfortunately, that hasn't really happened this season. So you can't really say he's developed as much as 
you would like to see him. I'm sure, as well as Joe Willock's done, it'll be frustrating for him to see somebody on the big stage when you know that could be him and it's a player Newcastle have invested a lot of time in. But they need to uh, they need to come up with a plan. What what's going to be best for Matty Longstaff next season? There's still five games left this year, so maybe he gets a chance in them to show what he needs. Keeps getting thrown in in the deep end, doesn't he? Keeps getting chucked in, you know, against the big teams. Uh, Man City, for example, this season, Man United last season and done very well. And every time he's come in the team, he's done well. So, um, yeah, there's a couple of big, big fixtures coming up before the end of the season. So maybe he can, uh, he can get another opportunity and he certainly won't. He's certainly not the type of character to, to shirk that opportunity. And Elliot Anderson, do you see him maybe knocking on the door in the summer and saying, let me go out for six months on loan to get a bit of first team action? Yeah, I think that's <clears throat> that probably should have happened in January, really, with the benefit of hindsight. Um, he didn't get an opportunity. He's, I mean, he got his debut, which is a dream come true for the lad. Uh, but I think he's hungry to play more games. I went to the game last night at St. James Park, and despite the heavy scoreline, Elliot Anderson still put in a very mature performance uh, for someone with a young head on his shoulders. So... He, he's one for the future. Um, I think a loan deal would be ideal for him next season. Uh, you know, look look at somebody like Adam Armstrong, who has ended up being sold by the club, but he's gone somewhere and he's been given a first-team opportunity at Blackburn Rovers, and he's been absolutely brilliant. He's got, uh, you know, close to 50 goals for the club, and uh, he, he's won that. You would now not rule out him returning to Newcastle at the end of his current contract at Blackburn, which expires in about twelve months' time. So he could be, he could come back. But at the end of the day, you they need to go out and get experience. Paul Dummett's another good example of that. Uh, there was a lot of players. He tells the story better than me, but there was a there was an opportunity to go to Gateshead, and I think a few of the players were taking the mickey out of him a little bit for putting his hand up and saying, yeah, I'll have a go at that. But it got him experience, got him at St Mirren, and then got him in the first team at Newcastle. So go out and take those loan opportunities. And I'm sure Elliot Anderson will uh, grasp any chance that come his way. When you watch a lot of the under-23s and 18s, many more games than most other uh, reporters and journalists, Paul's asking, is there, a, is there something that we need to address? He He thinks that the youngsters seemingly are going backwards with the league performance and position in this season. What would you say to that? And can you give any insight into um, you know, the quality within the under-23s and under-18s? Um, I'm not, I don't think they're going backwards. I think it's been a, a tough season for the academy, if you look at the league tables. But they have had the issue of the COVID and... The squads have been in different bubbles this season, so it hasn't been easy for them to just nip up and down to the seniors training camp and join in or get a bit of advice. So it's been a difficult season for them, but getting to the quarterfinals of the FA Youth Cup was a big plus. Um, the under-18s beat Manchester United 3-2 the other day, so shows there's players coming through who are capable. Uh, I mean, Elliot Anderson is a standout player. 
Joe White's doing very well, and he, you know, could get a bit of a chance in pre-season. We don't, we don't know yet. Uh, Lucas Deball, who played last night, has had a very good season. Dylan Stevenson, um, Kyle Crossley scored his first under twenty-three goal the other day. You've got the goalkeeper Dan Langley. There's probably a few others that I've, I've, I've missed out because I've been sort of put on the spot. But there's, pro- you know, <clears throat> there is a if you are interested in you know under twenty-three and under 18s football, there is a lot of players that have got have got a chance at Newcastle. So. You know, if you ask the the staff, they'll say results aren't that important and league positions aren't. Well, they are important, but they're not the, at the top of the list. It's about development and making sure the players are ready when they get in the first team. And uh, people like Sean Longstaff, Matty Longstaff, Elliot Anderson have all proved that, you know, they are at a level where they can do well given the chance. One man who played with the 23s earlier this week, was Fabian Cher. So you made a return. Good to see him working back to, to fitness. Do you think he might be okay for maybe the last couple of games of the season? Oh, almost certainly that he'll, he'll play in um, in a couple of games because he needs to boost his own fitness for, for Switzerland at the Euros, which is obviously coming up. And yeah, he's, he's one where... They've still got results without him, so he's going to have to fight for his place. But when he's on song, he's uh, certainly one of the best best defenders at the club, so hopefully they can get something positive from him. Definitely. Well, just to wrap up then, Lee, let's just briefly talk about the Premier League Hall of Fame. Alan Shearer inducted into it, 260 goals. I mean, for me, and I'm sure for you, never in doubt. Yet there is always a bit of debate about whether... Shearer should be inducted. Um, a certain former Manchester United defender, we shall name him, Rio Ferdinand, said uh, Shearer didn't win enough and therefore he was not in his top 10. Not even the first two, but the top 10 of his picks, which um, quite rightly has enraged a few Newcastle United fans. I mean, Lee, no doubt, is there, that Shearer, you know, the finest goal scorer in the Premier League, deserves to be the first name into the Hall of Fame. Hundred uh, percent. I mean, I can only go off my own uh, feelings. I was lucky enough as a supporter to see Alan Shearer arrive at the club. I was in the car park that day at the Leeds End when he when he was unveiled, and it you know it was a really it was a massive day in, in the history of Newcastle as a city because you know it changed so much in terms of you know you had the the best. He wasn't the best striker in England at the time. He was probably in the top three strikers in the world. So it was a world-class signing. And, you know, it's it's one where it's not just about goals with Alan Shearer. He was a complete team player, set a certain standard, you know, wouldn't let people slip beneath those standards. And if they did, then they would soon know about it. Um I've said some of these things before, but you know he's always one of the first people back to defend a corner. How many headed clearances did he make from corners? How many games did he win for Newcastle? Some of them when he was on his last legs, but you know when he used to run the ball into the corner and waste time and, and help get a win for the team. You know his gamesmanship, that sort of the instant with Roy Keane summed that up uh, in, in the Gallagher corner. 
So loads and loads of memories, but it's just somebody you could hang your hat. And I think the best example of it for me is probably the game against um, Leicester when Newcastle were 3-1 down St. James's Park and they needed somebody to just step up and, you know, change the game. And he got a hat-trick that day. So it was uh, games like that, you know, will, will, will live long in the memory. I just love it when you hear him speak. If, you, if people have not seen it on uh, Sky, they did the kind of the launch of the Hall of Fame and Shearer was talking about joining Newcastle, following his dream and always wanting to go back to Newcastle. And he said it many times and he's got no regrets. He could have gone to my United and won more trophies. And every time you hear him say it, you know, as a Newcastle United fan, you can't help but be swept along in that kind of emotion because, you know, it means everything to him to be, to, to, to be have been able to pull on that black and white shirt he was inducted, Lee, with Thierry Henry, and obviously the list is up for the next uh, six uh, nominees to be put forward. Les Fernand, Andy Cole in there. Um, is there anyone, I mean, them two names, you know, some of, again, one of Newcastle's greatest goal scorers in both, sorry, Les Fernand and Andy Cole. Um, would you put the case forward for either them two to be included? Oh, absolutely. I would I would say both of those players, Um for me, somebody like Rob Lee should be in it because he's he was he was Newcastle's probably best midfielder in the entertainers era. Got a lot of got a lot of goals. Um, you you look at you know, where where he was when he came at the club. He came from Charlton and he had ten years here. And when Newcastle were at the very best, Rob Lee was was right in there and he got into the into the England team as well. So for me, I'm sure some fans around the country would probably make their own case, but for me, Rob Lee would be certainly certainly in there. But yeah, maybe I'm being a little bit biased. No, not at all. I think, I think that's the beauty of it though as well. If you go around and ask any football fan of any club, they'll always pick someone of their own. I think Gary Speed as well, who's not actually in that list, deserves to mention. I mean, over 500 appearances in the Premier League and he was, again, one of those one of those midfielders who maybe didn't grab the headlines, but goodness me, wasn't he key to to that Newcastle United side under under Sir Bobby? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that was another another great era under Bobby. When you know, I think everything came together really, and you had players like Craig Bellamy around who injected some pace into the team as well. And you know, Gary Speed was a you know a big big part of that. And he he was another who set a certain standard in the dressing room, uh, the way he conducted himself. Uh, I think I'll I'll borrow this story from journalists who were before me, but there's an incident where when Craig Bellamy first signed, I think he just snubbed all the journalists and jumped on the bus. And I think Gary Speed was one of the first ones who went on the bus and went, that's not how it works in Newcastle. Go back out and talk to them. And, you know, just little things like that. And, uh, and that that helped make it such a uh, such a great team that not only got in the Champions League, I think they finished in the the top three and then the top four, but really they could have won they could have won the title in either of them seasons. People forget yeah. that. Um, you know Newcastle have been a a club at a, at certain points in time where they've been challenging to win the not just the cups the, the actual full Premier League. So yeah, good days. Yeah. I agree with you. I still maintain had Newcastle beaten Everton that day, had Graven Scarrison not taken out uh, Olivia Bernard and left him on the turf, and Newcastle had won that game, they 
he would have won the title. But, you know, we can't look back and think, what if? Um, just finally then, Lee, Arsenal up next for Newcastle. Do you think this is a good time to play Arsenal? And can Newcastle continue this good run of form they're on? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've done an article this morning on, on this. Uh, I think I had a discussion about it where if they can't beat an Arsenal team who are, you know, in the middle of two Europa League ties, who have got injuries and aren't going to be able to play the strongest team in all three of those games, then, you know, it's it's a real opportunity. Um, the way Newcastle are playing to keep things going, uh, if, if they do want to get more points than they did last season, then they're going to need to win this game and two others. So this is the best chance to get a win against one of the so-called bigger teams 